With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Or how about this? Let's try Judd and Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune sports columnist. Yes, it's conduits of trouble time. And uh, Chipper, I definitely want to get into uh, the Vikings with you because I know that you were in Chicago on Monday night. Um, but I think we have to start with this one. Ricky yeah. Rubio. Did, did you did you ever think when Tibbs traded him in uh, June of 2017 to the Jazz that you would see Ricky Rubio reemerge in the Twin Cities? No, I thought he was done here. Um, that one kind of came out of nowhere. There was no rumblings about that, but um, I guess when he gets traded, what earlier this week or whenever it was, um, uh, that you know maybe the, maybe the Wolves felt like that was not going to be the. The final destination from him. So I, I'm curious to see and hear what the plan is and how it's going to work um, and how, how he's going to fit, you know. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's probably, you'll probably be a pretty good mentor to the young guys, I would think. And, and you know, he's seen a lot and um, been experienced a lot. So I think from that perspective being in the locker room and his presence and kind of leadership will help but i'm curious to see how it's going to work on the floor i think chip that that the key this time around too is going to be it's going to be fun it's fine but the expectations now are going because i mean we we you know when this kid finally arrived at the age of what 21 in uh, Mm -hmm. 2000 and 11 and we greeted him literally at the airport you know the expectation was oh man rubio's here he was the fifth overall pick in 2009. He's going to lift this team out of the doldrums into the playoffs. And in six years, that did not take place. So I think the key thing now is he comes back at 30 with expectations of if he can play well, that's great. But I think that you're right. I think the most important thing from the Wolves' standpoint is is also trying to solidify solidify things as far as who helps lead this team and, yeah. and having veteran presences for guys like D'Angelo Russell and Cat. And I wouldn't minimize that part of the equation of this trade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he came here the first time, he had the, uh, you know, the weight of the organization on his shoulders. I mean, he needed to be one of their best players, and he needed he needed to be transformative. Now we all know his, his warts and his strengths and all that, but this that's not what he's coming here now. I mean, he's not coming here to be their best player, or you know, even their, you know, their third best player, and so. Um, I, I do think he'll have a positive influence on uh, some of the young guys in, in terms of 
just approach and the game and, and um, those types of things and, and practice and, and how you, you know, just be a professional basketball player. Um, yep. So I, I do think you'll have a, a pretty profound impact on there. Cause I do think uh, even though his career isn't what we thought it would be, I think he still has enough respect around the league in terms of just <clears throat> his ability and just playmaking and all that. The guys will, will respect his, his uh, input and his knowledge. Um, <laughs> it is amazing what Gerson Rosas has done with this roster in a calendar year. I what mean, roster? He blew it up sky high. He's blown it up twice. I, I mean, know. It's, it's just, um, I guess there's a master play in here at play. I don't know, but it's, it's, it's sort of fantasy football-ish, you know, when you look yeah. at just the, the amount of moves he's made. So do, do you think that eventually they're trying to get a third star? Or what What do you think the Gerson endgame truly is here? Well, you need three probably, you know, in today's NBA, uh, or at least two superstars, and I don't know that they have that right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think you're you're still trying to surround Cat with as much, you know, high, high-end talent that you can find. Um, I would have picked Edwards. I like the pick. Yep. I think he's – I know they, were, they they talked about getting the what they thought was the best player, not necessarily fit. I buy that about 80%, uh, but you, I think you did need to find a fit. Um, and so I like that pick. I don't know, you know, what's his what's his ceiling, what's his upside. Can he be a star? I, I, I don't know that. But um, I, think, I think they're still trying to, you know, appease Cat and put as many good players around him because – Agreed. You know, if, if we've seen when a guy gets fed up and wants to go somewhere else, it's going to happen. When a superstar wants to force his way out, it's going to happen. Look at James Harden. I mean, he's going to force his way out of there. I mean, it, we see it all the time, Anthony Davis. And so they're trying to avoid that situation. And, uh, yes, they are trying to build a winner. And, and uh, you know, they're probably not doing this just to keep, you know, the, they're scared of Cat leaving. But um, they've built this entire thing and made no secret about that they're trying to build this around him. And that, to me, Chip, is the toughest thing here. So I think Ricky getting him back, I think what they're trying to do is put a veteran presence in the room with guys like Cat and Russell. But I also think that they're trying to be careful in how they do it because we saw the ultimate alpha, right, in Butler. Mm-hmm. And it blew up. And Cat, it's frustrating for fans to hear this, but it's 2020. And Cat is Cat is a thoughtful, smart guy and a supreme talent. I don't know that, that he will that he is or will ever be an alpha. So all of that being said, you know, if you throw Butler in the Wolves locker room circa nineteen eighty two or something like that, it probably works because he tells guys to uh, you know shape up and do their job, and they fall in line. Guys today don't do that. And so I think what they're trying to do, too, when it comes to a guy like Cat, is they're trying to do the balancing act of, okay, who's going to have a positive influence, but Cat is going to like him? Because if you continue to try and bring in guys to push him and he rebels against that, your point becomes true, which is ultimately he says, trade me, which is yeah. exactly what they can't afford and don't want. And, and I agree with that, but I think what we've seen was Jimmy wasn't wrong. You know, he, he the way he went about it was wrong. Correct. He wasn't wrong. And so I understand the organization doing all these things to prop up Cat and make him feel good about the direction and try to build a winner. But some of this is on him, too, now. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been over backwards for him. 
Mm-hmm. And so, hey, guess what, Cat? You have to up your level too. You have to become a better defensive presence. Um, you have to become a, a you know just a better high level winner and and not just a guy who is going to get a lot of stats. I mean, this is this is on him too now. I mean, this is. You know, he needs to establish that he is a true superstar that can win and get in the playoffs. And so it's not just about doing everything to appease him. It's like he has a role in this, too. And so I'm curious to see how he comes back and um, how he kind of accepts this challenge. And has he improved his game and, and, you know, corrected some of the weaknesses in it? How do you articulate that, though? See, that that's the problem. Well, who's going to do it? Well, right. And, and is he going to, like you... We can talk a tough game, and it, it makes perfect sense. I get that completely. Um, but, yeah, to, the point is, who's going to do it? And, and ultimately, if he's like, oh, I don't like that, and says trade me, you've got problems. So, like, it's a it's a very difficult thing and a slippery slope. And part of the problem, too, is they've gone so far down the path, Chip, of trying oh, yeah. to of trying to please him that now if you come back and are like, okay, now it's on you, um, I don't know if it works. I mean, that's the problem here. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, you're you're 100 right because I mean they've basically blown up the roster. You know, to, well, and they got his friend, you know. D, yeah, and they got his, friend, his buddy, the guy he wants, and and you know their dream of getting Booker, I think, is dead now. Yeah. Um, and so that you know, but yeah, and it's you know, I don't know. I is it Ryan Saunders? Uh, is he going to push him? I don't know. I mean, I, I think they probably hired Ron Thunders because they felt like he had a great relationship with him. I agree. You know? Yep. So I don't know. And, and, but I will say this, this is not a 21 year old. How old is Cat? He's not 21. He's not 22. This I think he just turned 25, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been in the league. Not, not saying he's a 30 year old veteran, but he's not some rookie or first year player, second year player either. I mean, he's right. been, he, he knows the game long enough. He's been in it long enough to know, um, or he should know, has some self-awareness about. I, I do wonder if he watched those playoffs and watched Jimmy Butler, was there any part of him that said, you know what, Jimmy was right on some of that stuff? Or did he just say, you know, forget him. I, I don't like that style. You know, good good, good luck to him in Miami. But if you're in catch shoes, wouldn't you look at that and be like, man, you know, look at the way those guys responded to Jimmy and, you have to have some self awareness about that. That's what you? you would do, though, or me. But we're we're older guys. I mean, he's from a different g- generation. Um, I don't know. Like your what you're saying makes sense, and that should be the reaction that you would think that he would have. But I don't know, Chip. I really don't yeah. know. Well, we'll find out when they start playing. You know, I mean, we'll. You know, I mean, now it's a brand new team, and that, and that's the one thing that that is. Uh, I mean, it's not the one thing, but it's, you know, one of the disappointing things about uh, with the pandemic is like, you know, you had this whole new team and you're excited to see oh. kind of how it all fits, and they just, you know, they never had a chance to be together because of injuries and then and then COVID, and so, and now you have a lot of new play, you know, uh, uh, you're adding Rubio back and a number one pick, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all fits, you know, how it all fits, and um. <laughs> The West isn't any easier. That's, that's what I was going to say. That that's the that's the problem is you need to get. I keep saying this 
You need to get to the East. You need to get in the division with the Bucks and the Bulls. What what you need is, is expansion or a team to move to Seattle, Vegas, or both. And and you need to get booted out of the West and put into the East because at least in the East, I think you uh, playoff wise, you'd feel competitive. Because you're right, in the West, you basically feel opening night like you're probably sunk for at least 2020-21. Well, you you feel like you're shooting for one of the lower playoff spots at best. If you, you a know, play in, right? Crack that, yeah. The play in I mean, now, you're right. Yeah, it, it's just because there's it's just so top there, just so much talent. And do they need more firepower? Yeah, I would think so. You know, I don't think they're a finished product. Um, I don't think they're challenging for anything. Um, are they better today than they were before draft? Yeah, I think adding Rubio and, and Edwards will definitely make them a better team. But it, again, it's just so many new pieces and parts and how it fits. You have no idea. And they have, have not played since what was it, March twelfth? Like five years ago. Like they haven't like, been together yeah. for like six years. You're exactly right. <laughs> I know. It's like I feel like everyone knows who's on the team anymore. Get the roster out. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's but it does. It really. Um. It it is all about Cat and just is he ready to take that next level and you know not carry this team because I don't think he has to do that but really become a a dominant and more than just a stats you know it's more than stats it's hard to articulate but just more than intangible yeah it, absolutely be defensively be and just you know hey we're winning this game and 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 not just kind of what we've seen you know in the past so. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I think they're an interesting team, and then obviously Rubio. It'd be interesting. I think just looking at Twitter, I think fans are excited that Rubio's coming back, but it's clearly not what you know that over the top euphoria that you had the first time around. So I think people probably understand what the deal is this time. You know, name me a sports town that enjoys the return of a prominent <laughs> athlete more than us. Like I mean, the Moss thing—it blew up completely. But do you, that but that excite though. that excitement. I know yeah. that, but I, I'm just saying. I think yeah. we, I think we love when popular guys, oh yeah, come for back sure. for sure. Yeah, and it, it doesn't have to be the, even the greatest player. But if it was just, you know, someone had some some success but was popular with the fans. I mean, we we have a visions uh, visions of grandeur when they come riding back in. That you know, <laughs> that uh, I'm not sure they're gonna be met, you know, with, with production, but, um, it'll be interesting to see. I, I assume Rubio's happy to be coming home, um, where he started. Uh, Oh, I think so. Yeah. But, but I'm, yeah, I, I really want to see like how much he plays, what's his role. Tibbs is gone. So he, he's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. He couldn't stand Tibbs. And yeah. I think it, it was a mutual yeah, hatred <laughs> society. <laughs> I don't, yeah, Tibbs didn't like him. So yeah. Hey, the Vikings, um, Okay, you know what? Are you buying it? Are you well, here, buying it, man? I want to be very clear here, okay? Okay, I'm going to start out by telling you, in being clear, I I understand the Bears' offense is awful. I mean, it is embarrassingly putrid, and we, we can certainly yeah. discuss that. But unlike the Detroit win, I am going to give them credit, and I know that there were no fans there, but they go to a place where they traditionally have not played well, all right? Mm-hmm. In prime time, where they're starting quarterback previous to Monday night was 0-9 on that night, and they go in against a defense that is that is good. I mean, that is a legitimate defense, and yes, I know it was close, but they got a win. I'm going to give them as much credit as I possibly can in saying that that is, to me, a quality win. Yeah, oh, without a doubt. I mean, when, when 
it's a quality win because that's a quality defense. Uh, obviously, yep. the offense is horrific, but but it, that's a very good defense. Um, and so, yeah, I think anytime you you face you know a team that's had your number in a, in a building um, and you win there against you know a credible defense, I mean that, that's that's a that's a good win. The thing I'm with the Vikings defense, I think we definitely are seeing improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we were talking about this. It's you could almost how much is it? Because during this winning streak, and I don't want to discredit because they're, they're definitely getting better. Young guys, you're seeing um, Eric uh, Wilson. I think is uh, you know emerging as a really good linebacker. But Green Bay, 45 mile an hour winds. It's hard to pass. It, you know, affected both uh, offenses. Yep. Detroit's terrible. Yeah, and then, yeah. And, then, and then and then the Bears, which is historically terrible. And so you can you can have that you know that uh, conversation is like okay you know they play better but the, but this and then you know the Bears are terrible. So it's it's hard to know really how much improvement there is on that defense or was it just they're facing offenses you know that are are not very good or, or circumstances because of the win. Yep. I think they're definitely better, but I, I still. I don't know how much, uh, you know, what, how much, how much of a turnaround is there? Is it legitimate? You know, it's tough. Yeah. I'm, so it's, it's a fair question, but here's, I guess my comeback. Okay. This league for the most part has so many bad teams. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the Vikings are about to play at home three games, a collection of teams, in the Dallas Cowboys, the Carolina Panthers, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, Chip Scoggins, who are combined six and twenty-two. Yeah. So your question is valid. I guess my response to it is there is a a finite amount of teams who we can <laughs> yeah. actually test them against because yeah. Yeah. because like the next three weeks you're playing basically garbage and I, I'm not saying that you're going to win all three for sure. I think you should. Um, but if this league was full, you know, full of teams, oh man, the Cowboys are going to test you. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm curious to see it, but you might have to wait to Tampa Bay to at least start to get an answer to the question that you just asked. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, that's the thing is like, one, you don't ever apologize for someone else being crummy, you know? Well, right. Exactly. And you're not facing uh, Patrick Mahomes every week. And so, yeah, with this league, I'm convinced like, 80% of the teams are either bad or god-awful, and it's just whether the quarterback covers up for them. Welcome to the club, baby. The Seattle Seahawks are the poster child of what you just said. A historically bad defense, but Russell Wilson is your quarterback. Well, and I, I don't think Green Bay's all that great. You know, you just have a quarterback that's really good, and it's like, it just goes to show you, your quarterback can cover up for so much sins in this in this league, you know, but, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, this is, this, you know, and, and I think when you look at their defense, um, you know, I think Gladney's playing better. I think, you know, Wilson's become a, here's the thing on that. I mean, are they going to, it's going to be either or with him and Barr, right? I mean, I think you're going to have to do something with Barr, either greatly reduce the salary or, or just move on because yep. uh, you're not going to be able to play, pay both him and Wilson. And right now, Wilson's giving you more splash plays than Barrett did, you mm-hmm. know? Most so, definitely he is. But will Zimmer be able to to make that call? He's going to have to, Chip. The, the cap's coming down. 
Like, there's going to be no question about it. Like, well, he Wilson's going to get paid too, though, right? I mean, he's going to. Yeah, I don't think he can keep both of them. It, it's got to be either or, right? Right, so, but but Zimmer, if Zim comes to Rick and Brzezinski and, and is like, "But I love these guys," they are going to have to tell him it doesn't matter, Mike. Somebody yeah. has to go. I, I mean, there, there's a chance. I think the lowest the cap can go d- down to is 175 um, mm-hmm. from like 198. I think. Um, so, I mean, there's going to have to be decisions made that are going to be across the board for every team difficult. Now, the one hope, I guess, w- would be that Barr restructures way down and he does stay too. But, um, yeah, th- come March, there's going to be a ton of teams, not just the Vikings, who are mm-hmm. going to have to make decisions that they're going to hate. But the key thing is if, if you get cut and you're yep. a good player but not a great player, good luck finding a job. Oh yeah, so yeah, that's mean, the key. There's going to be there's going to be veterans that are used to a certain salary that are either have to swallow their pride and play for less or just not have a job. Probably, you know. Um, how about the quarterback? We got to pat him on the back, right? You know what? Here, yes, yes, I agree. He played great. Um, I here's what I think we've gotten to though. I really think during the bye week that. Zimmer and Kubiak both sat down and on both sides of the ball, not uh, special teams because it's been terrible, but on offense and defense, I really think that they went back to the drawing board to come up with plans for how to best use and get execution from both sides. Um, And I really, I just love the fact that they are now, in my opinion, putting Kirk in a position to succeed. And it's not e- even a huge tweak, but I think it's just enough. And I, the thing to me, Chipper, that stood out on Monday that I just absolutely loved was they stuck with Dalvin. Because yeah, that's yeah. what I wanted to see. Are you going to st- – and they and, – and he did not have in, certainly big runs, but what he did have was the presence and the threat that he could beat the Bears, and the mm-hmm. Bears were not going to allow that to happen. And I really think that that helped to free Kirk up to make plays. Yeah, dude, I looked um, at one point, it was like, I mean, he faced with 30 carries, you know. I know. Um, at one point, and I think it was like his first 21 carries, 19 carries, like that, but he, he was averaging 2.1 yards per carry. And then Akeem Nix got hurt, and then he, he had like a 13-yarder. I mean, that clearly opened things up uh, in the running game when Hicks left with a hamstring injury. Um, but the thing, and, you know, they came out with like, Cousins was really working those intermediate passes, kind of quick things, yep. you know, get them in rhythm. And I, I don't know if that was because they were worried about the pass rush and they wanted to come out early or they wanted to get him in a rhythm and just felt like – I thought Kubiak had a really good game plan. He spread the ball around. And it wasn't like he was just, you know, strictly a game manager and they weren't trusting him. I mean, you know, that third and 11 throw down the middle of the field to Jefferson, that's a – I don't know if it's a risky throw, but that's not just some dump off. He can make know? he can make throws, Chipper. He can make throws. There's no question in my mind. Well, and 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 the other thing, Judd, that I liked that he did was, I think it was two or three times when he got pressured, he, you know, he kind of uh, escaped the pocket, but he threw it out of bounds, like almost in the stands one time. Yep. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of taking a sack and having it second and eighteen. Second ten is a hell of a lot better than second eighteen. He got rid of it, so he didn't like you know duck and turtle and take the sack like we've seen in the past. Um, I thought he made smart decisions when he was under uh, duress. And he wasn't perfect, obviously. I mean, there's you know some plays that were not good, but um, I just it just felt like he was more under control. 
of, of the situation. Yep. Um, it, it, that's hard to do. It's the game. It's I, hard to quantify, but it just seems like it, it never felt rattled to me. Um, like, like we've seen in the past. In, in my opinion, the biggest change on Monday and really the past three games for Kirk Cousins has been this. It doesn't feel like the game is put squarely on his shoulders, and he does better when he doesn't feel that pressure. Yeah, oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, he was this the uh, after the bye where he had the press conference, he talked about not trying to hit home runs, yep. singles and doubles, and that's where he was getting in trouble throwing picks. Yep. So I wonder if that's what we're seeing, singles and doubles. Like, it's what you're Yes. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. That that had to come from the top, right? <laughs> yeah, he was saying so. So he was trying to articulate what the coaching staff told him because I saw I saw that quote at the time, and I'm like, "What the hell is he talking about?" I didn't get yeah. it. Um, but he did not do a good job of articulating what he had been told. So that was not from him. That yeah. that clearly came from Kubiak. But what it meant was exactly what we've seen. But that, but but by trying to get on base instead of uh, trying to to in his term hit home runs, I think what we're seeing is the pressures off him. And look, the one thing I don't I don't know if Dalvin can continue to carry and touch the ball as much as he he is without at some point in time being injured. But that being said, if they're trying to win games now, which clearly they are, this is probably the only path to consistently. Trying to win games. Yeah, and 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 you know, you would think that the guy's making thirty million dollars, it wouldn't be dumbed down, you know. But the money's spent. This is this is how they have to try to win, you know. Bingo. And and um, and the other thing is, I mean, just get the ball in Jefferson's hands. <laughs> I've been saying the same thing. That guy is incredible. I know. I know. And yes. Just, just throw it. It doesn't have to be a bomb. Just you know, work the underneath. And him and Thielen, um, you know, they'll they'll make something happen. And I do like the fact that he went to Rudolph a couple times. We saw Conklin. You know, we saw tight other tight ends. We saw. Um, I think he had like eight different guys caught passes, and so the game plan was good. But um, I would, it, yeah, if you can, if Dalvin can hold up, getting twenty eight to thirty carries, which is a lot. Yes. But then, but then you. You know, you you play action and get the ball to Jefferson. I mean, this offense makes sense. Like what we saw uh, Monday night, that made sense, didn't it? Like in, in every sense of the way. I mean, yes. The, the way they approached it, I, I, I thought it was like perfect for their personnel. Yes. Yeah. Um, Jefferson, I can't begin to tell you how impressed I am by this kid. And I mean, you think about Chip, the the guys who have come here as high draft picks at that position, right? Cordero, who couldn't run a route. Laquan, who struggled with the same thing and was just a bust completely. Um, this kid, in to me, in every sense of the word, is special, and I'm with you. I want to see him. I don't care how you get him the football. I yeah. want you to get him the football. If that's a nine route, seven route, four-yard pass, <laughs> I don't care. Um, this, this kid is a find and a special talent. Uh, and as a football fan, just a football fan, I love watching him. Yeah. We were as in the press box the other night when, you know, he was making some sketches. I was like, I would literally target him 10 times a game. And I know that the whole racial thing and defenses, but man, he is that good. He just does not look like a rookie. I mean, you know, that he just hasn't had those moments where you're like, Oh boy, you know, he's a young player. He just makes it look easy and effortless um 
I think he's going to be a star for a long time just because he he doesn't really – I don't see any limitations on his game. You know, do you like, see so mistakes, besides, that, Chip? I said, do, do you see mistakes? Because that's what I don't see. I'm well, sure he makes some. Nothing glaring. I mean, I'm sure yeah. his coaches do, but nothing where you're like, oh, God, he's in the wrong place or he did wrong, you know, um, you know, whatever. He just, you know – Dropped the ball, or I mean, he just seems—he um, just seems way ahead of where he should be as a rookie, you know. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, he's—he's he's dynamite. And then, you know, Dylan showed the other night that he's pretty special too, with a one-handed grab with guy blanketed it all over him. Um, and so, yeah, that's the thing with Cousins. It's like, man, just get him in, and, and for Kubiak, just create ways to get those two guys the ball sandwiched around Dalvin getting his 28 to 30 carries and and you're not you're not asking your quarterback Think about what we're saying game. though just give him the ball 30, 35 to, I mean the Dalvin thing's incredible <laughs> now we're just like yeah his 30, 30 34 uh, touches in that game was a career high but it yeah. is but but we've just sort of fallen into this acceptance of just get him the ball 30, 35 times per game I mean these are ridiculous as far as uh workload goes ridiculous yeah. statistics but it is true because he's that damn good well and it's funny like alexander masson just doesn't really even touch the ball anymore you know, know. kind of a, a play here since there. fourth and yeah. one at the seattle six my man well uh, yeah and and i just think uh i think they came back from the bye and said look at our schedule and we're going to try to get on a run here we're not we're not tanking we're not uh, we're going to ride Dalvin and see where this goes. And, and they're going to, you know, now all of a sudden they smell blood in the water probably. You know, they're like, hey, we can get to 7-5 to five if we continue on this, you know. Um, I never thought this team had a chance to win six straight games. And, you know, they could still have a hiccup. We've seen that. But right. um, I, I think they'll probably be favored in these next three games at home, right? I and hope so, yeah. You can get to 7-5, and five, then who knows, you know. Crazy. It's, it's unbelievable how uh, – <laughs> Crazy league. It's crazy week. Yeah, how things just done a complete U-turn. It's weird to say now, and it sounds um, probably like hyperbole to a certain point, but I actually believe with how how those first six games went, Chip, Mm -hmm. I I actually believe that if you were going to lose to the Falcons, and you shouldn't have lost that game, but you did, the way that they lost might have been the the best thing because it definitely definitely forced – Zimmer and Kubiak, and I think the entire coaching staff to assess things completely because it's not like, oh man, we lost by a field goal. That's a tough loss. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I said that day, how can you not bench Kirk? Because Kirk was terrible. Mm-hmm. They didn't bench him, but they definitely changed his role. And and I think they set. I think that that loss was so embarrassing and so bad that it made them reassess things to such a large degree that it, it helped at least for this run that they're on now set them up to come back with a different plan. Yeah, because he had 10 interceptions in six games. And yeah. Zimmer was about to just – his head was going to explode if they didn't change something. And so um, you're right. I mean, it was – you cannot watch those first six games and then these last three and say that the offense didn't change. I mean, absolutely, their whole focus was around Dalvin. And – and so, yeah, it, it's maybe it was a, you know, if they can get on a run and get in the playoffs, maybe you'll say it was that loss was a blessing in disguise. But it is funny how you can, the perception of a season changes because now you look at this team, you're like, 
you know, it, it took a pretty crazy circumstance for, you know, it took Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson magic for them to lose that game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a fourth and one run that, you know, you should have converted, and then Russell Wilson makes all kinds of crazy plays. So you should have won that game. If you make any kind of play against Tennessee, you win that game. Yep. And now all of a sudden you're looking at it like, maybe this team is not as bad as we thought because of the start. Now, you come back and say, you know, the old Bill Parcells quote, you are what your record says you are. Um, but I think a lot of how we perceive this team was based on the Atlanta game, you know? Yeah, well, that, yeah, that, that's fair. It was so bad, you know, that um, that skewed a lot of our thinking coming on the heels of, you know, really poor defense the first couple of weeks. I mean, just atrocious defense. Yep. Um, and so now it's, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, maybe the defense isn't as bad as it was early on with all, you know all those new faces. They can be bad teams, Chip. Yeah, well, and that's what it is. Like for sure. About. Yeah, like, there's, just, there's just so many bad teams in this league. But are they a Super Bowl contender? In my opinion, no, absolutely no, not. Not no, close. No, I don't think anybody say that. But um, and you know, I think there's probably some fan base, some in the fan base will say, "Oh, great, sneak into the playoffs, get beat first round, why does it matter?" But to me, it's you're still trying to win games. I mean, it's like I don't understand the whole. You know, they should be losing so they can maybe get a good draft pick. You know, no, try to win. You know, I mean, it's about the culture and, you know, trying to be a winning program. I guess my know? question is, are you, and and I would hope that the answer is yes, are you developing players and getting them valuable experience that they can, can come back in 2021 and it pays off? I would say yes. And if that's the case, it becomes yeah. a better thing. You yeah, know? I mean, I, I think 100% when you're looking at Gladney and, yep. Wilson and uh, Wanham on the defensive line. Uh, Hercules had a nice game the other night. I mean, that was, you know, I think you're seeing then obviously Jefferson and, and you know, on the offense side. So, no, I think it's um, I think it's absolutely that case that you're seeing some of the young guys develop and it'll pay off in the future. The Ngakwe trade also now to me strikes me as as they wanted to get him out of there. Yes. I don't know what was going on with him. But there's de- there was definitely a dynamic there now that um, I look back on that and say, yes, they're struggling, and so they traded them, but I think it goes beyond that. Yeah, I don't, I don't you know, well, one, you were going to have to commit to him after the year, and clearly they realized early on that they were not going to commit to this guy after this year. Um, and so they figured, you know, might as well get something now before he, he walks for nothing at the end of the year. And it, I don't know if it's, you know, they, they talked a lot about having their defense ends have to play a certain way about not just being pinners back and try to get sacks all the time if you have to do something with try to stop the run. And then and I think Andre Patterson, they have a set way that they teach those guys and whether, you know, that's part of it or personnel or whatever. But, yeah, it became clear. I mean, obviously, when he trade him, they just felt like he's not long-term fit for what they're doing. So, um, but, you know, you're seeing – some of these young guys get an opportunity now. Wanham's been great. Wanham's been good. And, Matafu, and, you're right, has been very solid. Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, and that's the other thing is they cannot have a tougher gigantic contract on the books. I mean, they've, you know, they're already up against it. And so, I, you know, I think they probably realized they're just not going to be able to pay that guy. And so, True. Um, uh, so you, you know, just get some draft picks for him. As what? embarrassing as it looks that you trade for him and then trade, you know, turn around and trade him so quickly. Why do you think the special teams are so bad? 
I don't know. Cause I mean, it's not just one thing. No, it's, <laughs> it's going to cost them. John. That's the thing. I mean, if it costs them a game, you wonder if Zimmer's not going to make a change um, with the, with the coordinator, because I don't think I've ever seen him like go at a player or coach like that on the sideline. Like we saw the other night. Yeah. He wasn't um, too happy about that one. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, he's talking about we have inconsistent snaps from the from long snappers. Like, well, that should be a giving. Again, you know, I mean, yeah. that, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's. You know, I know they talked about not having Eric Wilson when he got promoted to a starter after bars, but I mean, does one guy make that big a difference? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, but it's it's atrocious right now. The I mean, Patterson. Uh, kick return, the, the two punt returns in Chicago, the two uh, block punts against Detroit. I mean, it's just it's a wide variety of of screw ups that you like. If there's just one, okay, that happens. But in two games, to your point, and I agree completely with the collection of screw ups. Those are going to cost you a game eventually. I mean, something's well, going to happen. Yeah, and how about the. You know, the the punt where they should have downed it at the one-yard line, the guy steps back and his foot's in the end zone. So now it's at the 20. It's just like, gosh, I mean, that's a, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a, that could be a big play, you know. That's Chisna, man, your speedster. I don't think he knows exactly. football as well, but he's got great speed. He can get down there. Well, especially with, like, that offense, if you can put them on the one-yard line, I mean, that's a big change. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's. <laughs> It's uh, there's a lot to fix, and and you can tell Zimmer's fed up with it. So I, it'll be interesting to see if they can get it cleaned up. Well, last topic for you, because I guess we should talk about them. Uh, Friday night, Purdue's in town. Gophers, Ooh. Purdue. Um, what do you now make of this? Because because I will say this, and I didn't think with PJ Fleck coaching this team, I would make the statement to you on Conduits of Trouble ever. Uh, last Friday night against the Hawkeyes was Brewster-esque. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, that was, I guess the alarming thing now is the quarterbacks regressing, you know. Um, I mean, we've seen what the defense is, but uh, Morgan just does not look comfortable at all in this offense. And I don't know if it's, and my guess is it's kind of a combination of things. Um you know, a new coordinator, probably some new wrinkles. Not having Tyler Johnson, you know, the right side of his offensive line is gone, but but he just does not look like the same guy we saw last year. And so, no. Yeah, Grant, I, I do think Iowa's defense is pretty good, but um, I don't I don't think he's been. I mean, he's made some nice plays. Obviously, he hadn't been bad before this, but he looked flustered on Friday to me against he, Iowa. He looked, he looked very flustered. I mean, he just looked uncomfortable. I mean, he looked like he was. Uh, the pressure is getting to him, and he's just going to lock in on Bateman. And whenever it was third down, he's just going to lock in on Bateman. So, um, yeah, it's you know, I don't think we thought they were going to duplicate eleven wins and be you know, uh, you sort of felt like they would maybe take a little step backwards, obviously on defense. But man, yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is not a step backwards. I mean, this is you know, they're one of the three worst teams in the Big Ten right now, mm-hmm. and so. I don't know. I mean, it's it's. Uh, as I said, I don't know if alarming is the right word, but it's uh, it's you know pretty jarring to see how poorly they they've played. I mean, three of the four games have just been duds. You know, absolutely. So absolutely, yeah. uh, we'll see. You know, I don't think you know Purdue's not 
uh, you know, the greatest team in their offense. And, uh, I don't think it's the typical Purdue offense we've seen in the past, but uh, we'll see if they can, you know, have a more competent uh, performance than they did last Friday. Why does Kirk Ferentz hate P.J. Fleck? <laughs> I, think well, I think it's probably – I don't think there's any love lost between the two coaching staff. In, in my understanding, a lot of it just revolves around recruiting. Um, you know, they have some pretty uh, – they go head-to-head a lot, I think, on players. And who knows what's said, you know, to recruit. Um, but I think a lot of it revolves around recruiting. And uh, so the animosity we saw between the two staffs played out. And, and, and here's the thing, you know, I know – Gopher fans are dumping on Ference, but it's like, you know, he probably was annoyed when you, you have your starters in there and you'd call a timeout with 19 seconds left to avoid a shutout, you know? So I'm sure he was like, okay, if you're going to play that game, I'll play it too. Oh, absolutely. You know? And and the Gophers, in my opinion, did not deserve to score points. If I had been Fleck, I would have taken a knee and said, you guys don't deserve this. We deserve to be shut out. Like, I mean, that, that to me is such a hollow touchdown. Um, and they had played so poorly that I, I actually think I actually think the better for a group of college kids in flex world. I think the better lesson would be you didn't deserve to score, and so I'm not going to let you score now because well, they didn't I, deserve the points. Yeah, I, I would not have taken. I mean, no, no coach is going to take a knee, but I would have put you know Anikstad in. I would have put backups in there just to avoid an injury. You know, sure. I mean, could you imagine if one of their star players gotten hurt? Trying to score a meaningless touchdown with thirty seconds to go. I mean, yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's true. We would have we would have crucified him. I would have punished him. I would have taken him. Yeah. I would have punished yeah. him. I yeah, would have said, would, "You got." I, I wouldn't have done that. But you've been losers what, tonight. I, I, you know, I wasn't paying attention to Iowa's personnel, but apparently, you know, they had third and fourteen freshmen in there, um, so they had they had pulled out all their starters and yeah, we're, we're just playing backups, and so I think that that probably contributed to Stearns being uh, annoyed. But yeah, if I was PJ, I wouldn't have risked having. Tanner Morgan in there, <laughs> you know. Um, no. So, but yeah, it's. Uh, I kind of like that animosity in a rivalry, though. It's fun, you know. Oh, absolutely! It'll, it'll be a, it'll be a fun talker next year, you know. I it'll just want it to be year. close and like that, you know, not well, not yeah, not yeah. a Brewster like a Bielema type. I, I want it actually to to be a competitive, fun uh, hatred that goes between the the two teams. Hey, what do you think? Last thing. When it comes to, to PJ, and this is not new, we saw this last year, but the team was so good that I don't think we harped on it probably as much as we can now. Um, I have real reservations and concerns about his in-game coaching decisions, and they seem to be getting worse. Yeah. And it's almost like, so I get the fact that he is a go, 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 go guy. You know, I mean, he's always running yeah. around and blah, which is, you know, his shtick. I get it. But it, it's almost like his brain races like that during the course of the game. Um, you know, fourth and what, or I'm, or third and was it six? Yeah. And they lose. Yeah. Like these, these type of decisions to me cumulatively begin to concern me because I want a coach who can, in reality, slow the game down and make what are difficult in game decisions. And it's almost like it moves too fast for PJ at times. Well, it, it's funny because, you know, the third and six there, where they do an outside zone run to the short side of the field. It's like, well, that, that has no chance, you know, against the number one run defense in the, in the Big Ten. Now, PJ asked him about afterwards. He said, well, we absolutely were going for a fourth. We thought we'd get half of it there, and it would be fourth and two, fourth and three, whatever, and we were going to go for it. But, you know, you got Bateman. I think I would trust him. But even if, even though they lost the yard, I still would have gone for it, 
just because one, you have a ticker that's coming off an injury, not consistent, you know, probably it's 50, 50, whether he makes that. And, right. and two, okay. It's 14, three, you still need two possessions to win. I mean, the, the field goal is meaningless. Um, and, and furthermore, it's taking you like 10, 12 plays just to score because you're so methodical that you probably won't get that many possessions. <laughs> you're running despite the, the fact you shouldn't run. But yeah, and, and so, but you go back to really Wisconsin last year, and he was real conservative. Was it the uh, the second drive where they had a chance to go up like 14 nothing, and he punts from like the 40 or whatever, and it's just like, no, go for it, come on. But then you get in, you know, and then you go to the Outback, and we, I think we all ripped P.J. after that. You go to the Outback Bowl, and he played. He coached aggressively. You remember on fourth down there to try to win it, and they did it um, yep. in that last drive. And it's like he made a bunch of not a bunch. You know, he made a couple where you're like, all right, this is totally not what he did against Wisconsin. He went for it, you know. Well, then you know, he back the other night where situation screens for you've got to go for it and score a touchdown there, and he plays it so conservative. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Um, you know, I mean, he's what, what do you say? This is his eighth year being head coach. So maybe as he, you know, does this more, he'll realize that, you know, you got to be a little more riskier, a little more aggressive in certain situations. And the other thing he's got to learn, Judd. Now he's he's been he's gotten two personal fouls for running on the field. Oh, know? I know that's another. Yeah, it drives me and crazy he, he against he, Iowa. Yeah, that, yeah, he got one last both against Iowa. And he got one this time. He said, "Well, we're all on the field," and I didn't see how far he came out, but he was out. Clearly, the officials are looking for it, you know, because he got another, and that was a big penalty, you know. That, that cost him points too, or potential for points. I mean, it, that drive stalled because they lost thirty yards with the other penalty. So, I mean, those are things he's going to have to realize. But he's not awareness. He doesn't you know? control himself well, and that that's a concern. Like a coach needs to control himself, and he gets he gets as excited as he seems. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I need him to calm down. Like if I'm the if I'm the team, I need him calm. Yeah, I mean they're they're running around. Yeah, and that's I don't know that you can change your personality. You know, like that's who he is. Right. But I'm I'm you know I'd focus more on just in those situations where you feel like I just feel like he has a tendency to be sort of conservative in situations where I'm not saying you have to be reckless, but like. That one the other day is like you have to realize. I mean, he called a timeout and he came out and did an outside zone run to the boundaries. Like, gosh, I mean, that's and, and he's not and Chip, he's not super consistent too because I mean, he did the fake punt in the first game against mm-hmm. Michigan, which seemed to be darn near you know uh, a terrible call. Yeah. Uh, and then, but then you're in Iowa territory, and to your point, your defense stinks. And you've just had this long drive, and you really need points, and you're going to take three. It's the consistency too. It's like, yeah. dude, dude, if you're going to do, if you're going to do a fake punt in in your own zone against, or, or your own side of the field against Michigan, yeah. uh, then go for it <laughs> on fourth down against Iowa at like their twenty-two. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's and just, stay I off like the it. field. You're right about that. Yeah, and so, um, you're right. I mean, we. When you're eleven and two, some of these things don't get highlighted. You know, when you're one and three and your your team is struggling, all those things get highlighted. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. But like I said, I mean, I don't think he's you know this is not something he's done for twenty years. So he's probably still learning some too. You know how to. And I mean, this is you know there's a difference between the microscope of the Big Ten and and 
uh, you know, Western Michigan. And I, I don't know if he had how he coached there, but um, everything here is going to be under a microscope. Absolutely. All right, Chip Scoggins, thanks much. I will talk to you next week. Okay, brother? All right, brother. We'll see you. Talk to you later. Conduits of trouble. That's Chip Scoggins.